0: Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versura right here on the Leadership Lowdown. One of the reasons why I love what I do and have the opportunity to do what I do is to meet some interesting people that are doing interesting things. And we have one on the other end of our line today. His name is Arjun Morthy. He is the co-founder and CEO of an organization called The Factual. So Arjun, welcome to our show.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Wick. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, well, we're excited to have you here. We want to unpack kind of some of the things that you're doing. So uh, to kind of put us in context, tell us a little bit about what it is that the organization you founded and what it is all about.
1: Sure, yeah. So the Factual, we are an organization that helps people get unbiased news on trending topics in the news. And we use uh, technology that we've built in-house that grades how informative and objective news articles are and curates and groups them by topic and curates the best ones across the political spectrum on every topic so that people have all the facts rather than sort of a one-sided view of the
0: news. Wow. And you know, in today's world, I just got to tell you, I really understand what you're talking about in terms of some of the ways stories can be skewed. And in my mind, sometimes it's the omission of facts as well as an inappropriate uh, statement of facts. So I think it's interesting that uh, what you're doing, tell me about where it all started for you. You got your start in what small town, uh, what large town, where'd you (laughs) grow up?
1: sure yeah so i grew up all over the place i grew up actually in africa in nigeria and then my family uh immigrated to canada when i was 12 and i grew up in a small town called brantford ontario which is uh southern ontario our claim to fame is the home of wayne gretzky the hockey player (laughs) well uh, big hockey town and so my first job there actually was a paperboy i used to deliver the news for a publication called the brantford expositor and it was a six day a week publication and I loved it. It was a fun job. I made some decent money, and I had very happy customers. I grew my route to be one of the biggest in the city. Mostly, I just really liked the product. I saw that if you delivered a good newspaper that was informative, people liked it, and they mm. felt like, yeah, I know what's going on in the world around me. And so I've always been a news geek. I read all the time. I've been involved in news in some way or another. You know, from a personal standpoint, professionally, I'm an engineer. I studied computer engineering at the University of Waterloo, and so. I did a bunch of tech startups for a while. And after my last startup, it was called HubSpot, which is based out of Boston. It had done quite well. And I thought, okay, this is my chance to do something of my own. I'm very passionate about news and people really didn't trust news a lot back then. This was in 2016. People were uh, really feeling like it was quite a useless product. And I thought, wow, this is something I really believe in. And I think I could spend a decade or more of my life trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So that's what I decided to
0: do. Well, and isn't it interesting, you know, the journey that, you know, starting out as a paper boy running his own route, I think that's really interesting that uh, you went from handing out the news to helping to uh, channel the news and creating uh, what's newsworthy. I think that's pretty noble. One of the things, Arjun, I'm curious about is when you think about the amazing transformation of newspapers in America in the last, should I say 20 years, I guess, used to be that was where we went for news. I was just talking to somebody about this. We used to really enjoy sitting down and unfolding a newspaper and kind of going to all the corners and working through it, even having some ink-stained fingers when we're done. And then now we have cycles of news and information coming at us through a lot of different formats and different things. So tell me the format that the Factual uses to get the word out.
1: Yeah, so our core technology is an algorithm that rates news, as I said, on how informative and objective it is. So, it looks at factors like how well researched an article is, how unopinionated it is, whether the journalist has written on this topic extensively or exclusively in the past, and how well researched and unopinionated were those previous writings, the, the publication itself they're writing for, is it reputable, et cetera. So, this algorithm calculates a score from 1% to 100% using those four factors for tens of thousands of articles every day. And then we curate. And aggregate the best ones on topics that are trending that are important that people are talking about and we deliver it in a number of ways there's a newsletter there's a website there's an app there's even a chrome browser extension if you want to rate articles instantly as you read it shows up even in your twitter and facebook so we've got a number of ways and all of the products are ads some are entirely free and then some like the premium newsletter and the app are part of our paid offering, which is 5 bucks a month or 25
0: bucks a year. You know, when you think about some of the journey that you need to travel for news, and it feels like you're the old days of the investigative news reporter, it feels like you've kind of amped it up a little bit and kind of taken a little bit of a different direction on all of this. I'm intrigued by this. And most importantly, I'm interested in some of the journey you've had in your life to get you from point A to point B, from being a paper boy with a route to now suddenly helping to try to calculate and figure out where the truth is in news. And I think that's just a noble transition for your life. And it's one I'm looking forward to hearing the rest about as we travel on here on the Leadership Lowdown. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versaro. We'll be right back.
1: do so many successful businesses have in common? Proactive legal strategy. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer both business and personal legal counsel. For client convenience, they have offices throughout Michigan. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and I have the privilege and honor of speaking with Arjun Morthy. He's the co founder and CEO of The Factual. And I love what they're doing. It's an organization that's based and pressing to find the unbiased information for the news so you can make your own decisions. And I think that's really exciting to have that. And, and my question was is that being born in India and then moving quickly as a tiny tot over to Nigeria and then on to Canada, it gives you an international perspective that I know I don't have, Arjun. I think that's some of the things that I'm curious about. Do you think that helped you or maybe inspired you a little bit to do what you're doing? Yeah,
1: like definitely. I'd say living in multiple countries and cultures, different types of communities, gives you a lot of perspective. And so a couple of things that I think are relevant to what we just talked about the first thing is that any of the issues that we talk about in the news are quite complex and they seldom have easy answers. When you've lived in lots of different communities, you see different sides of the story and you're like, okay, this is not an obvious solution all the time. And so that informs uh, my thinking of always wanting to read multiple viewpoints across the political spectrum and understand the complexity of an issue to reach my own conclusion. So I'd say that's definitely something that came out of living in foreign cultures. And then the second thing is also, as you travel to all these places, live in all these communities, you realize how much we have in common, all of these different people. It doesn't matter what you look like and where you grew up. We all roughly want the same sort of things: space societies, prosperous families, you know, people around their community, et cetera. There are a lot of things that we have in common once you get past the level. And so it helps me realize that if we do our job as a factual and help people have all the facts, they might not hate each other as much if they have different viewpoints because they understand it's complicated and we're all roughly similar. I can understand why they might have reached a
2: difference. Mm-hmm. That's
1: my utopian goal is that we appreciate people with other perspectives rather than uh, sort of uh, denigrate.
0: Well, you remind me of something, Arjun, that I happen to personally believe in, which was years ago, I was in an organization called Rotary. And one of the things that we talked about was world peace through greater understanding, meaning that I don't think I can hate you from afar if I get to know you personally and understand your culture and realize why you do what you do. And all of a sudden, that hate thing kind of melts away and there's this greater understanding and appreciation for other cultures, other entities, other backgrounds. And I think, to me, that's what's exciting when I think about someone of your experience having the different uh, cultural backgrounds and then being able to blend those into bringing out these types of scenarios. But one thing that I don't wanna lose track of, I love your organization and I'm so grateful for what you're doing. What I wanna do is make sure that I relate it to our audience that is looking for leadership tips. And one of the things you said is you talked about trying to understand a story from all different directions and understand the different views and angles of those things. I'd like you to maybe give me your thoughts on doing that in business, because I think when you have that kind of cross-pollination of information, it's got to make a better decision, right?
1: Definitely. You know, I think if you build, there's a lot of, you're doing a good service. Fundamentally, you're helping customers with the problem they have and providing them something of value. It's wonderful, you're building relationships, friendships hopefully even uh, at times. And to do it well, it's really about understanding your customers really well. The pain they're going through, the alternatives that they're seeking prior to your coming on the scene, really understanding how you're improving their lives. And for that, you know, at the core of building great products is deep customer insight. And to get deep customer insight you really need to understand your customers well. And there are lots of different types of customers. You've got to spend time with them, understand where they're coming from, why they have certain viewpoints, why they have certain concerns, objections, all these sorts of things. It's really getting into their shoes. So I'm sure all of your listeners, this is something they hear all the time. But I think understanding your customers and where they're coming from and all the different experiences that they've had, which is why they've arrived at a certain set of assumptions and conclusions, Is really helpful in then devising the best product and the best go-to-market
0: strategy. Well, I just love what happened there. You know, the notion of trying to understand your customers because I don't know how you can really meet their needs if you're selling something, if you really don't understand what those uh, customers are all about. Now, It reminds me of the old story of the shoe salesman that went to Africa and he calls back and says, Man, there's nothing I can do here. I'm looking around and nobody here in these villages are wearing shoes. There's just nothing I can do. Send me home. And the other salesman that went down after him went down and said, Oh my word, this is the best opportunity I've ever seen. Nobody's wearing shoes. I've got unlimited potential in this market. So part of it is perspective and part of it is knowing that, you know, you've got some solutions and some answers. And I think so much of it begins with having knowledge and the facts and unbiased facts. I think what you're all about. And I'm really excited to learn more about all that's going on here. I'm so glad you took time to join us, Arjun. So glad that you took time to listen in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vershero. We'll be right back.
2: Time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended. Now, can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. your credit union for life.
0: This is The Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bercero, and in with us today is Arjun Morthy, co-founder and CEO of The Factual, who's uh, working on getting unbiased information to you so you can make a valuable decision about today's headlines and today's news. And so it's really exciting to have him with us. I really love what I've heard so far in terms of the mission and everything that you have going on here, but I'm a little curious about, you saw maybe a need for this, you're kind of dedicating your life to this effort. So tell me what inspired that initially, and maybe if there's some people along the way that really made the difference for you to jump in with both feet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what inspired me was, uh, you know, back in 2015, my co-founder
1: and I had seen that people really didn't trust the news anymore. It felt like it was almost a waste of time. People were just tuning out entirely and saying, let's look, you And we thought, boy, here's a product that we've grown up really finding valuable and useful. And it seems like more and more people don't like it anymore. Why is that? And when we dug into it, people say, oh, it's fake news, fake news. But if you actually dig underneath the covers, it's seldom the case that people think the news is outright false. And it's more often the case that they think the news is biased. Or as you said earlier, they feel like some facts are omitted or somehow the story is planted in a certain way to make you reach a certain conclusion. And so we thought, boy, there's so much great journalism today. And instead of reading that kind of stuff, these range of viewpoints and research pieces, instead of reading that, we're reading these crappy news stories that are just making us more angry. And so could we do something, especially using technology to solve this problem? So that was what inspired us. We sort of saw the moment in 2016 as being a turning point. Of course, the news industry as a whole going through an upheaval from an economic and business model standpoint. So we thought, usually when there's a lot of upheaval in an industry, that's usually a good time. Very naively, I should say, (laughs) and thought, ah, we got this. We can apply this technology and solve it. It's uh, it's been a very tough run, and took the first couple of years, we basically had nothing working for us. It wasn't until year three that really we started to see something interesting in the use of our technology, and then still many years later, until we really had... Happy customers paying for it and telling their friends
0: about it. Well, let's talk about that just for a second, if we could, because one of the things that we do is we watch, I marvel at entrepreneurs. I'm so impressed by entrepreneurs and their willingness to take great risk. So in my world, my dad was an employee at a factory for his entire life, and I'm just not very good at risk. And so sometimes I grab onto things and I've got it, and I hold firmly to it, and I just don't want to let go of it. And that can be good and bad. And what you did is you took a risk here. And I got to ask you, in two years in, you're sitting there going, this is a lot harder than I thought. Man, am I in trouble? Is this going to work? All those doubts had to be creeping in, right, Arjun?
1: Absolutely. Oh, my God. The amount of self-doubt that you have in those early years and even afterwards, frankly, it is tough building a good business. And, you know, I think the reality is if people knew how tough it was, I think fewer people would actually be entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are a little bit naive when we jump in, thinking, you know, we can do this. I see the need. I've thought a lot about it. I've done my research. I think we got this. And then when you actually get in, you realize, oh, man, all the things I thought I knew, <laughs> they're just superficial. Yeah. You go way, way deeper to really understand a customer problem or an industry. Or something so, yeah, it, there were a lot of doubts. I think, you know, we talk about risk and the risk I took. In truth, I took a calculated risk. And so, as I said, the previous startup of was at, the HubSpot did very well and really actually gave us some financial cushion, which allowed my wife and me to say, hey, I'm going to take a few years and try this thing. I'm not going to earn much money at all, but we've saved some. And so I think we could come with a little bit of risk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a very much a calculated decision. I think most entrepreneurs may come off as, oh, they're risk takers, but I think the good entrepreneurs are very right calculated risk takers. Secured the bases on the things that are important and they're taking risks where they think it's relevant. They don't just sort of blindly jump in with uh, zero plan. I think that's actually not the majority
0: of Yeah. Outdoors. Well, there's an old country song from, I think, Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, <laughs> right? And so there's got to be a time when sometimes you just throw up your hands and you go, I've had enough. I can't go any further. But it sounds like you could see it from there, but you weren't quite at that spot. And thank the Lord, you were able to turn that corner and get that third year under your belt, and actually have some people buying into what you were selling.
1: Absolutely, and thank the Lord, it really is. There were many times you could want to throw in the towel, and at one point, I would say that I probably had borderline depression. Oh, I just—it was awful. It wasn't working, and I just thought, man, I'm a complete screw up here. I've- what have I really accomplished? And then, really, by the grace of God, and good luck, you know, things started to turn around. We found some really good investors who believed in the idea. In fact, I started even shutting down the company at one point and saying, "Okay, I guess I got to spruce up my resume." Oh and my! And just then, this investor came in and said, "Nope, we really like what you're doing. Believe in it, and backed <laughs> us in a big way, and that's kind
0: of a full <laughs> turnaround." And as they say, the rest is history, right? That's really cool. Well, I'm so glad you didn't give up, and I'm so glad you're here today with us, Arjun. So glad that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back after these messages. The Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. found the Leadership Lowdown and we found Arjun Morthy, co-founder and CEO of The Factual and uh, right here on the Michigan Business Network. And so glad Arjun's with us today. And boy, in that last segment, it kind of gave me uh, lumps in my throat as I think about entrepreneurs and some of those people that get to the end of their rope and they're hanging by that single thread and it feels like it's time. It's time to give up on the dream and pack it in and go away. And of course, with that has to come all of the hopes and dreams and everything you ever imagined along the way and along the journey. And here you are hanging from that thread, wondering if you've completely screwed up and made a mess of your life and everything else, right? And so my question is, where did you go in that moment when it was the darkest? Did you have somebody that was a mentor or somebody that lifted you to help you see the new horizon and maybe get you from point A uh, to point? B?
1: I would say at various points, there's sort of three groups that made a big difference in helping me get through difficult times. The first is we have an advisory board, and there are six people on it, just super fans, if you will, but really accomplished business executives in their own right. And they were great, and they gave me blunt feedback, but encouraging feedback whenever I needed it. I could turn to them on a moment's notice, pick up the phone, and talk to them. That was really great. Second group is there's a group of four CEOs that I'm uh, we've sort of made a CEO roundtable, if you will, and we meet every quarter. A lot of people will tell you that the CEO job is extremely lonely. And there are a lot of things that you encounter on the CEO job that only other CEOs understand. And so having a support group of other CEOs is just incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. You could just go and be yourself and admit that you failed at this and that, and you find out, oh, my God, wait, you also failed at that? I'm not the only one, and it makes you feel so much better, and then you learn a lot from what they've learned, and so that was incredibly valuable, having those folks. The third is really customers. Every time we got customer feedback that was positive, that's really the best thing. That's when you know that something's working, because otherwise, everyone else could be feeding you the cooling. You know, families, advisors, investors, you don't really know, but customers writing to you and saying, that was really good, that made my day, that really helped. I told another person to buy your product. That's when you know, okay, we've got something. So I think all those three groups are really important in helping me get through tough times. And then the last one I should mention is probably my mom. You know, I think mothers <laughs> they have a bond with their children. And my mom doesn't say a lot. But I remember once I was feeling so awful about how things are going. And, and I said, Mom, I totally screwed up. Like, I shouldn't have done this. I could have just stuck with a regular job. And life would have been better. I wouldn't be working seven days a week for three years in a row. And she said, look, I know it's not easy, and if it fails, so be it. But you had to take the shot. Mm. You earned it. You earned it. Mm.
2: You've done
1: all the work. you saved the money. You set everything else up for the family. This is your shot. You had to take it. Don't feel bad. And that meant the
0: world. Oh, absolutely.
1: And that's what I knew. I was like, hey, it's okay if it fails. I'm not going to be delighted, but I have to do it. It was part of the path that I'm on, the journey I'm on. It was huge in messing me up uh,
0: Well, I got goosebumps just thinking about mom. I got to love that. She's telling you, you've got to take the shot. And isn't that something? Because, you know, most moms, I I think a lot of moms and even us dads uh, like to bubble wrap our kids and want to absolutely, you know, make sure that they don't get harmed in any way. But at some point in time, we have to know that we raised them well and we gave them some certain talents. And God helped sprinkle them with a little bit of that, too. And then to get in a spot where you can encourage them like that, I think it's so cool. I do have some questions I want to back up to about the advisory board. Tell me about that. Was that a formal advisory board? Because I talk a lot on this show about personal board of directors, which doesn't mean they ever get together and meet. It doesn't mean you necessarily ask them if you'll be a personal board member. It just means they're people with various levels of expertise That you befriend and that you use and counsel with privately and along the way in your advisory board was that a formal thing or was it informal
1: that one was relatively informal so i think on some directory like an angel list for example we had listed some of the folks but it was fairly informal it wasn't uh, yeah there was no compensation for example these were just folks that believed in the mission believed in me and my co-founder and wanted us to succeed and God loves them for giving us so much of their expertise
0: and time. And did you have meetings with the entire advisory board or was it individual?
1: Well, I would sometimes meet them one-on-one, a couple were local, and I would sometimes meet them at different points individually. And then also at least quarterly, we would do a group session, typically over Zoom, and it worked
0: pretty well. Well, look, here's what I think is so excellent about that, Arjun. You and I, look, being humble enough to realize that we're not always the smartest person in the room. I think what you're sharing with us is the power of placing people around you that can be brighter, that can shine brighter, that maybe have some other experiences that you've had, and to rely on them to be able to kick those items around and those issues around. What a difference they can make. I just think that's so cool that you've done that. And I'm sure it'll be part of a book you'll write someday about those people that made a difference. So, And then let me ask you this. You also said the CEO equip group. I think it was interesting to me about how we get CEOs that from time to time, you know, they've walked in those shoes and had those tough days just like we have. And isn't it great to know that some of those folks fail along the way? And it's all about failing upward, as they say. So we've got to go to a commercial break right now to pay the bills, Arjun. So we're going to run out to get that done right here on Leadership Lowdown. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. And we're going to take just a quick moment and we'll be right back. Looking for high-quality office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing for huge savings. We've got new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Browse through 5,000 square feet and save on seating, desks, files, storage, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office furniture outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Bursaro right here on Leadership Lowdown. And I want to let you know, Arjun Morthy is with us. He's the co-founder and CEO of The Factual. And as we talk about some of these issues here, the Michigan Business Network audience is so interested in some of the challenges entrepreneurs have. And one of the things I've got to believe has been maybe a challenge for you along the way is probably some of the ability to raise capital in tech, maybe some of the startup capital that's required to do some phenomenal things. Is that maybe one of the greater challenges you run into? Yes, absolutely.
1: You know, I think going into this, we were very naive and thought there's all this chatter about there being so much capital and he's just looking to make investments all over the place. And- we had pretty good pedigree having gone to Stanford and, and other fancy schools and things like that. about how hard to the sea. And it's turned out to be very, very tough. And there are a few lessons from this experience that I can share. And boy, I wish I had known that when I started. The first is that uh, raising capital, especially in these high flying startups that are supposed to go on to be billion dollar businesses, raising capital is more about the story and about the numbers and the results in the early round. So in the pre-seed and seed round, you're selling the story more than you are selling the metrics. And telling a good story concisely that is compelling, that the investors can relate to and grow quickly is not easy. There's actually an immense degree of marketing skill or sales skill, if you will, and frankly, I don't think I'm that great at either of those. So I struggled with that, and I think if anyone is, Thinking about raising money from venture investors, at least, really having a tight story that's easy to say that you could say to your mom or your friends over coffee and they get it and they can get it in one sentence or two. That's when you know you have it and it's much, much more difficult, I realize. So
2: mm. that was probably one of the biggest insights we had. And
1: the second big thing is that fundamentally venture investors like certain sectors and invest in those almost always exclusively and don't like other sectors. And by that, it means that the industry sector has to have something like venture return. So it's some sort of product that has low marginal cost, has high gross margins, which is why they love software. It scales beautifully. It can go on to millions and millions of customers and not have to cost millions and millions of more dollars every time you have to do it. So they really like software. They really like industries like that. And even though my company is a software company, it's fundamentally the consumer subscription business. That is always a harder sell, but that is not something they've seen as much of. If you say, I'm selling software that other enterprises use, you know, B2B software, that's something they see a lot of and they can understand and appreciate quickly. So I think if you're pursuing venture investors, really understanding what sectors they invest in and how deep their expertise in this is really important. So you pick the right Investors, otherwise,
0: a lot of times you are just going to fall flat. Yeah. Well, you know, you raised an interesting point in terms of basically telling the story and making sure, because I can tell you at the right TV commercial, I can tear up and cry. So I'm sitting there being moved by those stories. And yet I have other friends that I'll never forget. I was at a conference. We had probably 2,000 people in the room and 90% of them were in tears because it was an emotional speech that it was done. I'm sobbing, literally, as I'm standing there, standing, ovation, applauding the speaker. One of my staff people looked at me with his arms folded, and he looks back at me and goes, they've got to get off this emotional stuff. This is crazy. And I'm like, oh, what? And so to your point, I think it's not only being able to tell the story, but also being able to read the audience you're talking to. Am I talking to a tech expert that's going to want to hear some specific performance information and data? Or am I talking to somebody like me who's going to have me at, hello, if you can sell me on a good story, you and I high five and leave the room, I'll cut the check. I'm not sure if I'm a very bright businessman in that regard, but those are different animals. And when you're selling, you've got to know that audience. But I think most importantly, you talked about crafting the story and making sure that you've got the story downright. And then of course, making sure you're telling it to the right people.
1: Yeah, that's right. you know, you sometimes hear DC pictures be something like, oh, we're going to be the Uber of this, or we're going to be the Spotify of this. And people think, Ah, that's so silly, you know. Why do you use some other brand's name when you're pitching your face? But what they miss is that that kind of statement is a really easy shortcut for an investor to get. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I know what Uber is, and I know it's been very successful. And so if you're saying you're the Uber of that, okay, I guess it must be some sort of ride sharing or some sort of sharing mechanism that you're talking about to spoil the business. That kind of shortcut is really handy, and investors get pitched so much every day. I mean, it's just exhausting and it must be so easy to forget. So you need to be memorable and those kinds of little shortcuts are memorable. Don't knock it, you know, when you actually have to go ahead, you need to be memorable. It's it's much, much harder than it
0: looks. Well, and I think you're speaking my language because what happens is, is that we can draw from those stories and take what everybody identifies with and then create the rail or the path in which you want to lead them down. I think it's a great example and a great opportunity. Well, I have to tell you, Arjun, I've really enjoyed our time together. I can't believe we're down to one last segment. We're going to go uh, take a quick break right now here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verschueren. We'll be right back. Nation is over. The fairways have been cut. The greens have been rolled. Are you ready for some golf? We sure are with 81 holes of spectacular championship golf just waiting for you at Treetops. Book now and for a limited time. Enjoy an overnight stay and unlimited golf starting at just $129 per person. Then top off your day with a relaxing massage in our spa, followed by a succulent steak and choice of over 80 craft beers in our sports bar. Call 888-TREETOPS. Visit treetops.com. Treetops, Michigan's most spectacular resort.
2: Michigan, my
0: Michigan. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Bershera right here on the Leadership Lowdown. I am having a great time with Arjun Morthy, co founder and CEO of the Factual. And of course, as we kind of unpack his entire world, in the last segment, we were talking about, you know, trying to make it easy to understand. But what uh, came to my mind as we talk about how we want to be the Uber or our time or whatever, it's just interesting because when we think about sometimes industries that are ripe for disruption, and I think in your world, when I think about the news, and in this case, my experience, and I'm a pretty big news junkie, I can tell you that the assessment of information is truly something to behold and i think about how that creates then in industries that's ready for disruption and gives you a pathway to some greatness it reminds me of the story as we talked about uber in the old days driving around in these yellow taxi cabs in all these big cities those cabs could be absolutely filthy dirty smelly they could have people that were not really very customer service oriented driving that vehicle. They could be racking the pay scale a little bit differently, doing all kinds of not good things. And you had no recourse. You could copy down their license or whatever, but that was about it. But in today's Uber world, they're working for ratings. And so when you step out, not only do they get that tip, but they also get rated and you get rated, right? So there's a conversation that goes on there And I just think that that's an interesting thing because that created then the disruption of why in certain worlds we now can have a say in how we're getting transferred from the airport to our hotel. And it's kind of interesting. I think you're doing some great work here in terms of this. Tell me about, as you think about the challenges moving forward, you've kind of rounded the baby steps areas. What do you see as the big things on your horizon challenges for you guys moving forward? Yeah,
1: so you know, now we have that customers want unbiased news and are willing to pay for it. And we have a very wide cross-section of America as customers. There are customers in all 50 states in 3,000 different zip codes. We've got CEOs that read it. We've got unemployed people that are homeless that subscribe. It blows my mind. There's pastors of society. And what it goes to show is that the desire for unbiased news, simple stuff, it cuts across all socioeconomic classes not just for elite, it's for everyone. And so we've proven that everyone wants that, we've proven that the economics are sound, and now it's really just the challenge is how do you scale it? How do you get from tens of thousands of subscribers to millions and millions of subscribers? Because that's when we really see the impact that we want on the country. You know, at the core, our mission is get everyone unbiased news, and hopefully when they get that, they see that, hey, we have a lot more in common, and when we can... Understand all the facts, we can reach compromises and advance policy on issues that we are talking about in news. That's when we've actually accomplished the mission, is when we feel more united as a country. So I realize it's a tall order, but that's where we're going for.
0: Well, I just love where you're going. And one opportunity is tell me about how do people get a hold of you and do business with you and your organization?
1: Yeah, so the best way to sort of get the factual is to go to our website, factual.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's easy peasy. Just enter your email address, and then you'll get the newsletter, and you'll see the links to the app, the website, everything sort of just happens. So just go to factual.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you want to follow me personally, I'm on Twitter a fair amount. My handle there is Juice morphy of my nickname from high school, so I kept it. So you can find me there. But otherwise, you can also just email the alias on the bottom of our homepage, and all the emails get sent to me. So... Like everyone in your uh, audience probably knows, customer service is really job one for most CEOs. And so if someone writes about, uh, you know, the products and has feedback on it, I read that and I reply to all of it because that's the most important thing I can do.
0: Well, that's really cool. And, of course, you still have your everything from your board of directors of in terms of your advisors and, of course, the CEO advisors. And the most important is those customer advisors trying to help you understand that. What does it cost to subscribe to your information network?
1: Yeah, so the factual is $5 a month or $25 a year for the factual premium. We do have a free plan as well. It gives you limited content, and newsletter, it doesn't give you access to the app and limited access to the website. So most people choose the paid version and then the annual plan because it's sort of heavily discounted on the monthly and it's fairly affordable at 25 bucks a year. That's what everyone wants
0: yeah well you know and isn't it interesting you went from throwing these uh, newspapers off your bike or dropping them on the front doorstep to now helping craft the messaging that's in the newsworthy information in terms of getting the unbiased uh, information out and man what a journey it's been from that humble beginning to what you're doing now we really wish you well and i just want to say thank you for being a part of this i'm excited and i'm sure you are i'm very
1: excited thank you so much for having me on it's been a pleasure on you and i hope
0: got something out of it. Oh, I guarantee. And thanks again. Thanks for uh, being with us, Arjun. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network and the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We'll talk to you next time.